starting out, I just want to tell you, this is like the best topic ever for me. That's like the very best thing I ever did in my life was to have kids. So, you know, one of the things that um, I always hated growing up, and it starts about 12, that all you do is have adults come up to you and say, what are you going to do with your life? What do you want to be? And I remember having that really like, uh, don't know. I don't know what I want to do. But boy, you feel this pressure. You know, if you don't have a decision made up by the time you're 12, you know, people look at like, you're a failure. You're going to fail. You're never going to make it in life. So there's a lot of people that, you know, they always want to be marine biologists. They all think they're going to go swim with dolphins. It doesn't happen. But that's every kid usually. It's like, I really want to swim with dolphins. It's like, very few people get paid to swim with dolphins. But anyway, I would always kind of struggle with that question. Because deep down in my heart, what I really felt like is like, I always just really wanted to be a mom. It was one of those things that I always wanted to do. I think it was just one of those deep desires that God put in my heart. And I didn't even understand really what a calling it was at the time. It was just something I had always wanted to do. I always felt like if I didn't become a mom, that somehow my, my life would be lacking in some way. That was something that I was supposed to do. Now, obviously, we were very, very, very young when we got married. Um, I started dating John when I was uh, summer of eighth grade. And we dated throughout school. And uh, he proposed at prom. And, uh, yeah. But at the time, <laughs> at the time we weren't um, believers. And uh, obviously, we didn't do everything just right. Our order got out of, you know, line a little bit, you know. I graduated in June, got pregnant in July, got married in October. So it was a little out of, out of order. But I was 19 when we got married, or 19 when I had kids, and John was 22. 18 and 21 when we got married. So, we had Shelby first, and uh, April 14th, 1984, and then two years and 11 months, little John Cameron came along, and we were pretty happy. And at that time, you know, I was young, but I really wanted to get my hands on everything I could possibly read to be a good mom. I'm one of those people that loves to read and loves to try to figure out what it is I can do and do right, you know? So it was really important for me that I had that opportunity, you know, to do it right, so when we had Shelby, I remember being in the hospital, and I remember looking down at this little baby girl and thinking to myself, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? This seems really scary. You know, it was like something that, you know, you'd never really done before, and all of a sudden, you know you're going home with this little baby, and you're thinking, man, how am I going to do this? But I knew with all my heart that I had to protect her. You know, I remember feeling this rush of emotion that come in and thinking, I would do anything in my life to protect this kid. Anything. You know, if I had to, like, slay dragons, I would have done it at that moment. It's funny, too, when you have a baby for the first time, you feel like you've really done something that nobody else has done, which obviously is very not true because the world is full of people. But yet you feel as though, like, wow, look at me, I've really accomplished something, you know? But at the time, I remember thinking of how difficult this was actually going to be. There was a quote I read a long, long time ago, and when I heard it, I thought, oh my gosh, if that's not the truest quote ever, it's by a woman named Elizabeth Stone. It says, making the decision to have a child is momentous. It is decide forever to have your heart go walking around outside your body forever. And I thought, boy, is that true. I remember feeling like all this protection I had to try to give them and all these things I had to try to do to, to keep track of them and guard them. and That never changed. 
It, cha- it never changed all through life. It was just the way it was. So fast forward 33 years to today. Obviously, you see that fact that I have two children. I have um, our amazingly talented daughter, Shelby, who lives 900 miles away. We're going to show you a picture of her when she got married to her husband, Daniel. And uh, it's one of those things where you guys have the pictures up? There we go. If you can put it up for me, there you go. Um, when Shelby got married, you know, we thought we for sure, you know, even though she hated Troy Grove, that she would stick around a little bit, and she decided to move 900 miles away and uh, have kids. So she actually takes care of a lot of our uh, web design, our graphics, and our web page, you know, our web presence, everything like that. So she's very involved at X Church. A lot of people just don't see her. So it's one of those things that you don't know. And then, of course, we have our wonderfully gifted son, Cameron, that uh, is pastor here at X Church, and he's married to our sweet Amy. We got a picture there of them that you can look at, obviously, at their wedding. And what's great about that is they live right next door. <laughs> it's fabulous. We try not to bother them, though. We really do. We've, like, made a rule. We're not going to go over their house and bug them. We're just not going to do this. I also have... Um, you know, these ideas that, you know, having kids, I was just going to show you a quick couple pictures of when we had Shelby. And the, like I said, we're so young. Maybe you could take a look at this picture here. Yes. You're going to realize that there's a theme in my husband's life. He never has a shirt on. Ever. Ever. Every picture we go back, we always say, again, no shirt. I don't get it. But um, that was Shelby. And then we have one where Cameron came along in the hospital. So that's John, and you're going to also notice the fact that I'm never in any pictures because I'm taking them all, right? So there's a couple more pictures we can kind of look through. You remember I talked to you about the fact that we had this one room that was wall-to-wall beds? I wasn't lying. This is how it was for the most part. John would come home. He would always read to the kids. He had this little flashlight. He'd do the ABCs through, and I would have a moment to myself at night. But there were always, there was like literally a king-size bed, there was a twin-size bed, and there was a baby bed. It was just beds. So we were always remodeling. We never got anything done, but we were always remodeling. Then I have a cute picture just to show you that Cameron was a dirty little kid sometimes. It was kind of fun. He was obviously eating chocolate. (laughs) So one of those things that was kind of fun, you know, good times, good times. And just because the fact I really was a part of their life when they were little, there is a picture of me in the motorhome on vacation with the kids where John actually did get out the camera. And it was obviously the era of big glasses, you know. And I look very unhappy. I really probably was happy. <laughs> I just don't look very happy. Then I'm always like, what the heck was I thinking? I look pretty miserable. But like I said, I also have two beautiful granddaughters, and we just come back from visiting them. I have my my granddaughter, Olive, who is three and a half, and I have my beautiful little Maxine, who's only two weeks old. So, uh, fun times. But I also, don't forget, I have one other grand dog named Winnie, cute little blonde, that, you know, is part of our lives every day also. So, it's one of those things that I really do... um, you kind of look at your life, you know, isn't it funny when you can look at 33 years and you can kind of encapsulate it in a little paragraph? You're like, wow, that was my life right there. <laughs> that was it, you know? Kind of interesting. But obviously, you know, you just read something, it's not enough. It's, there's more to raising kids. There's more that comes with it than that. Obviously, there's those day-to-day struggles, you know, when your, your kids are sick and, you know, bedtime's never going to come and, you know, you're all just stressed out and 
You know, I remember those times. I remember when they got out of your sight and, you know, you had that moment where your heart just dropped and you're like, where are they at? And usually they're like right around the corner and there's not a big drama, but you worry every time. Now, my kids will tell you I was extremely protective to the point where they were 18 and they walked in Troy Grove, mind you, a town of 250. They were never allowed to go on the big roads. And when they were 18, they were walking around town, they actually stopped because they knew they couldn't go on the big road. Because I told them so many times, you cannot go on the big roads, don't go on the big roads, you can't go there. So, But you know, at that time, you're thinking that it's going to last forever. I remember having little kids and thinking, wow, you know, it's going to be just forever. And you, you think that, and then you realize, man, just whew, it's gone. Time just flew by. It's sad. It's really sad. I have a memory one day of being in Kmart and being there with two kids in a, in a cart, trying to get supplies for the house. And I remember a woman just kind of looking at me. And she's kind of smiling, a little smile on her face. And at the time, I didn't really get it. Now I realize what she was thinking. She's looking and thinking, man, that went by so fast. Now I realize I'm that woman. I'm the weird lady in the aisle that's looking at those people now. <laughs> I'm the one that's going, oh, look it. And you just want to say, like, seriously, it's going to get better. And it's going to go by so fast. I know you don't want to enjoy it today, but please enjoy it because it went by so fast. But all of a sudden, what happens is you look at these adults that you've raised, and all you can kind of do is you can kind of see the little shadows of their face, of the, the dirty little faces and those sweet little voices. You know, it changes so fast. Sometimes we find, we find ourselves, Jen and I, still using the words that the kids used when they were kids. It's funny because we'll talk about like something, and we'll say, um, Jen will say, be careful, watch your pinders, because the kids would always call them pinders. Balloons were boobahs. We still say, do you want a boobah? We know what it means. That's it. And the funniest thing is when we see something that's not real and it's fake, we do exactly what my daughter would say all the time. It's not real, it's wubble. <laughs> that was always the saying. So it's funny how you, you think of those times, you know, and it's so interesting how fast they go. It's such a great time. But a lot of times we don't realize it. So when we decided at the beginning of the year we were going to teach what we're going to teach this year, um, Cameron and I were talking about what it is that we thought we should do. We thought, well, there's a lot of young parents, and there's a lot of people that have kids, so maybe it'd be good to teach on parenting. Well, obviously, Cameron hasn't not yet had children, so it made much more sense for me to teach this series and not Cameron. So I want to explain to you, though, I do not claim to be an expert in parenting at all. I do not have a degree in parenting all I have are life experiences. That's it. Somebody out there might be thinking, well, then why should I be listening to you? What are you going to tell me that I don't already know? I can tell you. I don't know. <laughs> but I can promise you one thing, that you're going to get out of this exactly what you paid for it. Nothing. <laughs> no, you're going to get something out of it. But I want to explain, you know, John and I did not do things perfectly. We didn't. You know, we made mistakes. We were so young. We were so dumb. We made so many mistakes. And I think we're probably going to be reminded of those mistakes for many, many, many years while our kids are raising their kids. All the things that we did wrong, they're going to point them out. But however, we do do some things right. Sometimes I'm amazed by that, that some things turned out the way they did. 
And then really the next few weeks when we go on and teach this, I'm going to teach you more or talk to you more about the nuts and bolts of the things that I learned. And what I'm not giving you as an expert, I'm going to teach you some of the things that maybe um, some other experts have taught about and things that I've agreed with. Because I'm going to tell you, there's some experts out there that really don't know what they're talking about. And I wouldn't teach you about them. But there's Dr. Meg Meeker who is amazing. And she's got a lot to say. So I'm going to be teaching more on that in the future. But one of the things I wanted to explain is, you know what, if you're looking for this message to really like teach you how to raise the next Bill Gates or the next, you know, best NFL draft pick, you're going to be very disappointed because that didn't happen for us. But it wasn't our goal either. It was never our goal. Our goal was simply to raise kind, caring, loving, gentle, God-fearing, God-loving kids. And I think we did that well. That's what it was. So I have two kids that grew up loving Jesus, always want to, like, follow him and do ministry, Um, were faithful, and, you know, kept themselves pure into going into marriage, which I would tell them every time I didn't. I didn't, but I said, can you imagine how much God has blessed us, me and your dad, how much more he could bless you? if you do it right. I would always tell my kids that. There's so many things, you know, like I said, it's so scary. It's so scary when it's decided or it's decided for us when we're going to have kids because it was decided for me the first one. I wanted them, but it was decided for me. So um, obviously there's so many things that can go wrong. There's so many things that go wrong. I mean, obviously there's society, there's the economics, there's school systems, there's bad influence and One of the very biggest problems that we have is ourselves. We are our biggest problem most of the time when we raise kids. Because we know firsthand how easily we can mess them up because we know ourselves how messed up we were by our own parents, right? I mean, I know myself what I was raised with. You know, I would like to think that a lot of the things I went through as a kid that I learned from and think, I'm never going to do that. But, you know, I found myself repeating a lot of those things. I would love to say I counted to 10 every single time and I never raised my voice. That did not happen. I raised my voice a lot. So it was one of those things that happened. I made a lot of mistakes. Truthfully, is all of us make mistakes. We're all going to make mistakes. It's really inevitable that we're going to make mistakes because we're imperfect. We're not perfect. And what's funny about it is even a perfect God created such imperfect kids, right? Look at that, how that worked out. So we're imperfect, and we're going to imperfectly raise our imperfect children in this imperfect world. But, but, the key to that is doing it with the perfect God. That's what's going to make the difference in your life. I kind of call it the but-for factor. And that's how I've looked at my life so far with raising kids. You know, a long, long time ago, I used to clean, um, the last church we were at, I cleaned for like, Seven years, it was a huge church. And I remember all the time listening. At the time, there wasn't really podcasts, but it was, uh, I would listen to Christian radio, and I would listen to all these different messages. And one day I was listening to Adrian Rogers, this Baptist preacher, and I love listening to him. He's passed on, but I still, if I get a chance, still try to listen to him because still, they still play his, his uh, podcast and his messages online. But one of the things he said was, I won't consider myself an expert at raising kids until... My great-great-great-grandchildren are serving Jesus. And I thought, that's what I hold on to. That's my goal. My goal is, yes, I think I did fairly well. My kids have loved God 
And it wasn't because I forced them. It wasn't because I, I told them they had to go to church or they had to do certain things. It was because they fell in love with God themselves. And that's one of the things I hope that is carried on through generations of our family because it didn't happen for me. There was no example there for me. I'm just thankful that God got a hold of me when he did. So we raised two kids, read books, spent countless of hours with them, tried to give them all the love we could to do our very best. But I really truly believe that they would never become the people that they've become but for Jesus. I truly believe that. I say all the time, you know what, that's the factor. That's what's going to make the difference is Jesus. Jesus changed everything for us. I think Jesus is like this perfect smoother outer, you know, when we fail and we screw up. There's something about following after him that kind of like heals some of those mistakes. I totally believe that my kids would be different today, but for God getting a hold of me. I believe my kids would be totally different today, but for God getting a hold of my husband. And I totally believe my kids would be different today, but for the fact that God got a hold of their hearts also. That's what it was about. So like I said, I've been a mom for about 33 years, and I count the fact that, you know, you got that nine months in utero because everyone knows the pains and the struggles of being pregnant. It needs to start there. It hurts. I went from the poopy diapers to the toddler to the elementary, to the preteen, to the teen, to the empty nest, very difficult, to the son and daughter-in-laws, a whole different set of issues because you learn boundaries like you never learned before, to the grandma stage, and I don't actually believe that any of it would have worked, and I could look back at any of that as success, but for God, I really believe that. I believe that's the only way that it turned out as good as it has. I give him all the glory. When people say, oh, you're kids, you did a good job, it's like, I did a good job, but he did a great job. That's what it was. It's only been with his help that it turned out as good as it did. I mean, it's terrifying. You're given this piece of clay, basically, and you're told, form it. Try to make it into what it's supposed to be. This caring, kind, contributing member to society, Man, we tried our very best. We were doing the best job we could possibly do. But I really don't think anything would work but for God, changing all of us and then changing our destinies. Like I said, he took what was good and he gave us what was best. So the best thing that ever worked for us was taking our eyes off of ourselves and putting our eyes and our focus on Jesus. That's what made the difference. You know, we spent, I spent the first 10 years of our marriage not serving Jesus. I was 18 when I got married, and I was 28 when I came to Christ. Sometimes I look back and I think, oh, those 10 years, you know, I wish I would have done better. But then some of the things that I learned, I think, I didn't do so bad. After I was reading about Meg Meeker, I'm like, surprisingly, I think God kind of helped me through that time too, because it worked out. But you know, the thing is, when we put our focus on Jesus, it wasn't just with our words, it was with our actions, It took a long time for us to really get it. But when we got it, we got it. It was real. I'm going to tell you one of the things that really burns me about Christian parents. And I say Christian, okay? Because one of the things of doing youth ministry, you find out really quickly and early on that I will tell you the majority of the problems that I've ever had in youth ministry is not with the kids. It's with the parents. 
Parents that do not understand sacrifice that their kids want to make for God. Parents that don't understand the fact that there's boundaries that you should put up. Parents that just allow their kids to do whatever they want. And uh, I would try to come in and do some different things and tell them, and it didn't always go over so well. But what happens a lot of times with these Christian parents is they do very little in really living out their actions and following Jesus. But what they do is they have this experience where they go through the Bible one time and they read this scripture verse. Proverbs 22.6 in the New King James, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And what they do is they've never followed God in their own actions, but what they do is they've taken their kids maybe to church once or twice or maybe even for a season, but they don't live it at home at all. So what they do is they just read this and they think, someday, someday they're going to come back because they magically believe that this has powers that's going to erase all the mistakes of what they didn't do. Now, I'm just telling you how I feel. (laughs) That's how I feel. Because I've seen it happen over and over again. People will sit there and say, you know, we just, you know, our kids just, we've took them to church. It's like, for how long? Also, did you make them sacrifice? I'm going to tell you, our kids had rules. There were rules and regulations and stuff. They never got out of going on a Wednesday night, ever. It didn't matter if Cameron came home with tons of homework. I'm like, you're going to church. We'll do homework afterwards. Let's go. Our priorities were Jesus, and that was it. But what happens is these people think that that scripture verse is going to be magical and it's going to have powers when they have never even put in the time and the effort for real. It's not going to work. What they've done is not really truly train up a child. It's not. Because if you talk about what the definition of train is, it's just to teach a particular skill or type of behavior through practice and instruction over a period of time. You can't just put a band-aid over a wound and think it's going to work. It doesn't work that way. There's so many people that just don't understand the sacrifice that we need to get. And I think for the majority of us, Really, as followers of Christ at all, we don't. We don't understand the sacrifice daily that he made for us, so we don't live daily in sacrifice for him. We just kind of live life. And like I said, you're not going to get the, you know, you're not going to have Bill Gates and you're not going to have this NFL draft pick, you know, thing by, by, like, listening to this, but you do have to have an end game in sight for what you do want to have your kids to turn out like. And if you do want your kids to have deep faith, living and believing and trusting in God, then you're going to have to put some more effort in. So this message is really kind of an interesting one, the first one that I decided and really felt like God wanted me to teach. Because it's about parenting, but it's also about parenting us. Because we are God's children, and a lot of times we don't put in the work, and we're not what Christ wants us to be. So it's hard for us to emulate that and show that to our kids. We're just not doing it right. Matthew eleven twenty seven through 30 in the message, it says, Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. The Father has given me all these things to do and say. This is a unique father and son operation. Coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. Intimacies means you spend time. No one knows the son the way the father does, nor the father the way the son does. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. Are you tired? Worn out, burned out on religion, then come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. 
Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Keep company with me. It's not a once-a-week thing. It's not. It's a daily thing. When you keep company with someone, you get to know them. You know their heart. You know their feelings. You know their emotions. What, what makes them tick? What hurts them? That's what it's all about. You know, when we spend time with God, what happens is we change ourselves. And when we change ourselves, we'll pass that down to our kids. That's what will make the difference. There's a saying, and it's totally true, more is caught than taught. 100% believe that. 100%. We need to model our faith to our kids. We need to show that it's real, that it's genuine, that there's ups and there's downs, but you know what? You just keep continuing on. You have to ask yourself, what are you saying throughout your day to your kids? What's real for you? What are you actually telling them, teaching them? What are you showing them? What are you saying is most important? Because they see your day, don't think that they don't. They're watching. They're watching all the time. They're seeing what you spend your time on. And to them, that's what's most important to you. And that's what's going to end up being most important to them. Time is valuable. What are you spending it on? What excites you? If Jesus doesn't excite you, I'm going to tell you, your kids will never be excited about Jesus. Ever. There's people that they'll go yell and scream for a sports team. And their kids will know, man, they're diehard, you know, Cubs fans, they're diehard White Sox fans, Bear fans, they're this, they're that. But your kids would never believe that you're a diehard Jesus fan. Because you don't see it. They don't see it. They don't, you don't show it. You know? Worship him. Worship God. It's the best thing I ever did. My kids saw me fall on my knees, going through struggles, tough times, but then these great highs where God would come through. I'm going to tell you, if it's something other than God, don't expect your kids to come close to him. They're going to follow you in your footsteps. That's what they're going to do. Billy Graham says, Children will invariably talk, eat, walk, think, respond, and act like their parents. Give them a target to shoot at. Give them a goal to work toward. Give them a pattern which they can see clearly and give them something that gold and silver cannot buy. That's totally true. Billy Graham knows, man. Billy Graham's pretty good. But we need to practice our faith ourselves. You know? If we do that, we won't be ashamed to say to our kids, do as I do, not just do as I say. That's what's going to make the difference. You can't just tell your kids to follow God. You can't tell your kids to go to church because that those, those things don't work. You have to show them that's what it's all about. If it's not real to us, it's never going to be real to them. So this, like I said, this first parenting message may be like, well, I thought I was going to learn some like real discipline or things, and we're going to get into that. But I really believe, but for, but for God, all the discipline things you learn, all the books you read, none of it will make a difference if you want your kids to someday have faith in God. And I mean, obviously, we believe that that's what's most important. I believe that God is amazingly gracious. I think those first 10 years, he saw me fumbling, stumbling, trying to make it. 
But I don't believe that God actually does think that kids are going to have faith that they won't depart from if you never truly made God a part of your life yourself. I think if you think that it's going to work that way, it's a cop-out. It's just a cop-out. You have to put time in to get time out. That's what it works. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9 says, And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them on your hands, wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. I'm going to step on some toes here. You know what it's not? Don't buy yourself a Christian picture and hang it on the wall with a scripture verse and think that's all that's going to make a difference. Because people do that, you know. And this house will serve the Lord, and it's like they watch and they think, okay, I read that picture, but I don't see it. It's not happening. You know, the thing is, when you spend time with someone, man, you talk about them. You love them. You find that the things that you talk most about are the people that you spend time with. When you love and spend time with God, man, you just organically talk about him too. All the time. That's what your words are going to say. Your words are going to constantly talk about, about God. Now, we didn't do weird stuff. I'm going to tell you. Because we truly believe that life just brings God up if you let it happen. It doesn't have to be weird. There's a lot of people who have like a lot of weird rules in, when they're Christians. We didn't have those weird rules. Um, we didn't believe that life had to have schedules. And actually, we were really poor with schedules. We weren't really good with that. Um, but we never had family devotionals, ever. And I have a pastor's son and a daughter that loves God. We never had family devotionals. We never sat down and had this big devotional time. And every week, it's like, come in, sit down. We're going to talk about God right now. And to be honest, I'm going to tell you, we never even really had very many family prayer times. Except when we were going through something, we would pray together. It doesn't have to be scheduled. What it does is it has to be organic. It has to be like exactly what he says. Watch with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of my grace. It doesn't have to be forced. It just has to be real. We didn't have those scheduled times, but you know what we did? We talked about Jesus a lot. A lot. I mean, we had conversations sometimes. I'll tell you, Cameron and I's personalities are more like this, and John and Shelby's are more like this. We would have these discussions talking about God, and sometimes they would go on and on and on and on and on. Because, you know, I told you, I became a believer. John became a believer seven years later. So there was a lot that John was really struggling with, trying to figure out, trying to grasp, and he didn't really believe. And I tell him all the time, I was like, listen, don't go to church unless you really mean it, because I don't want you doing it fake. I want you to go when he does something for you that you're feeling like, this is real, I want this for myself. So John really struggled through, and you know what? A lot of times we'd have these conversations that would last forever, and he'd ask questions, and me and the kids would answer because they had gone for a while longer. And and then a lot of times Shelby and him would have these major discussions about things, and Cameron and I, after a while, would drift off, and we'd go to bed. And we would let them just keep talking and talking and talking. And Cameron would just shake his head and be like, I know, we're out of here. Because they would go on way too long. Also, we would watch a show. We were the family, the Christian family that watched The Simpsons. Okay? So we did that. And you know what? My kids survived. 
It's fine. It was fine. But, you know, we did. We looked at him when, when, you know, Homer had something that he was doing for his daughter. We would say, that's love. We would talk about that. We would say, if this is, we watched a show and it was against something that we thought we'd, you know, sometimes we would turn it off, but a lot of times we would say, this is what's wrong with the world. This is the stuff that they think about. This is not what we need to think about. And we would use it as an example to teach. We would talk about how it related to life and just how to our faith, and that's what we would do. We talked again and again and again about God's goodness, his faithfulness, his promises, our own hopes and desires of what we wanted for our lives. It wasn't always perfect. There was a lot of times, you know what, where you kind of just think, man, I'm hoping they're getting this. I'm hoping they're getting this. And they didn't always make the perfect choice. But over time, you're like, please, God. But you know what you did have? You did have a mom that was always saying, God, give them favor. Bless them. Bring them close to you. Because I prayed for my kids from the time they were born, honestly, even before I was a believer. And I would always pray for them. Because I believe that God pours grace and favor on those that we would take to him. The Bible was just a natural part of our life. It was as normal to see a Bible laying around as it was school books, magazines, anything. My kids always read their Bible. That's why we, and me as a mom, I'm still telling you guys, get a Bible, read it. It makes all the difference in your life if you read God's word for yourself. That's what it's about, reading it, letting it go down deep in your heart, seep in there, and then you think, yeah, yeah, that's, that's love. That's what it's all about. We also were very open with our failures and our wins. My kids saw my struggles. I wasn't fake and acted like my life was always perfectly together. Um, We weren't that family that never fought in front of their children. We did. Not proud of it, but we did. Um, Still a little bit of a vocal person. (laughs) Um, I always say John might be a little passive-aggressive. I'm aggressive. It's just how we are. We're the opposites of track thing. But I say things, I blow up, and then it's over. I'm just done. You know, I'm like, whatever. Like I said, you learn those things that your parents taught you. I had a dad that blew up when something went wrong. That pattern was a lot to get over. A lot. We didn't do everything perfect. I remember having times where we really struggled financially, I remember talking to the kids saying that they couldn't have everything that they wanted to have. But they always saw us giving to God through it. They always saw us going and serving God, praying to God, serving God. And then when it came time to do school and and functions, it was still priority God over other things. This is really hard for a lot of parents. Because I will tell a lot of parents really like to get their kids involved in a lot of things. But I hate to break your heart, but the majority of your kids are not going to grow on to be the NFL pick. They're also not going to be the best basketball player or soccer player. But you know what your kids could be? The best Christian they could possibly be. Youth ministry. People don't understand the value. Do you realize how awesome it is to have another adult say to your kids the exact same things that you're saying to them? It's invaluable because they hear it from someone other than you that they've tuned out. 
And they're like, well, maybe this is true. And kids, a lot of times, they don't always agree with what you're telling them. But you know what? It goes down in there somewhere, and you hope it's doing something. But youth ministry is so important. And there's so many Christian parents that do not allow their kids to get involved in youth ministry because they think that they're involved with so many other things. The best thing they could possibly do is hear about God on a weekly basis besides just one day with church. And I believe it works. And the reason why I believe it works is because we've seen it happen. The majority of people that are in here have gone to church and a youth ministry and have been part of it and have gone on to continue to serve God. One time, I'm going to tell you, when it even says about the part, you know, it says on the road, when you're at home, when you're on the road, I truly remember one road trip reading Proverbs 7 to Cameron about the immoral woman. <laughs> I remember reading it to him about this wayward woman, steer clear. I remember reading the Bible to him and telling him that because I'm like, man, don't get wrapped up in this. Because <laughs> the world's just constantly screaming at these kids to tell them, to go all different ways but the way that you want them to go. But the point I want to make is you need to love God with priority in your life so your kids see it. It doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be forced. It can just be natural, unforced, just an everyday thing. Just live in your life in faith and they'll live it too. They're going to see that you struggle. They're going to be real with them. Don't be fake and phony and everything because it's perfect. There's nothing wrong with telling your kids you struggle from time to time. Why give them this idea that everything's perfect? You know, they're going to find out soon enough that that's not true. As soon as they get a little older, they're going to realize, man, life is not easy. If you've given them a false sense of what they have to look forward to, they're really going to be like, what the heck was this? Let them see your failures because you know what? Then they're going to see when they fail from time to time that that's normal. There's times, you know, what you're going to have in your life where you're going to doubt your faith. And that's okay. You can tell them, say, you know what, sometimes I've, I've struggled with that. When your kids tell you, I struggle, don't sit there and say, well, you've got to get it figured out. You've got to get to church. You need to tell them, say, you know what, it's normal. That's normal from time to time to have a doubt every now and then. But you know what, at the times, don't go farther away from God. Come closer. And he'll show you that he's real and that he's there to answer you. Just be willing to talk. Psalm 127.3 says, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. I believe that with all my heart. If you've been given children, I'm going to tell you, it is a reward. It is a gift. What an amazing gift that God entrusts us with. This idea that we can raise children, hopefully to go on to serve him. I have these amazingly beautiful rewards from God. Man, I cherish them. I love my kids so much. There's never a time where I don't say goodbye to them and say, I love you, love you. I've always been happy because my son, I remember when he got off the bus, even when he was in middle school, even in high school, he'd come over and he'd kiss me on the lips and he'd say, bye, mom. And I remember one day a boy coming up to him and saying, you still kiss your mom? You still tell your mom you love her? And he goes, yeah, she's my mom. Why wouldn't I? Like, it's like the most ridiculous thing in the world that you're asking me this, you know? But, you know, that comfort, that easiness comes out of the fact that, you know what? I loved him. He loved me. I love my daughter. She loves me. My son 
has a great relationship with his dad because John has always been there for him. Cameron's talked about that before. My daughter still to this day will say that she's had the best dad ever. You know, we were so young. We were so dumb. And I'm amazed. I'm amazed sometimes. I'm like, how did it work? And then God reminds me, but for me. That's what it was about. So that's why I wanted to teach you today. I just want you to think about the fact of, like, you have these kids, the best thing you could possibly do is be the best example for them that you can possibly be. If you made mistakes, go back and try to correct them. Do your best. Try to build some of that relationship back. But I am eternally grateful for the fact that God saved me. And then God saved my husband and God saved my kids. And then... What an awesome thing. So he gave me an opportunity to come and help plant a church through my son. And we have an opportunity to come and tell more and more people about Jesus. Let me tell you, when I was 18, I never thought this would happen. God's good. Let me pray for you. Lord, we are so thankful. We are so thankful that you are such a real good God that cares so much for us and loves us so much. And even though we fail, sometimes we make so many mistakes, Lord. We're thankful that we can come to you and we can ask for forgiveness. And Lord, I just pray for each person here. Lord, for those that are, have little kids or Lord, those that have raised kids. And Lord, and we know we all make mistakes. I pray that you would just help in any relationship. I pray that we would just continue to keep following after you faithfully. And I just pray for each person that's here, Lord, that they would come closer. Lord, so that their kids could come closer. And that all the people around them could come closer through them. Lord, we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.